You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk all about clothes, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What is happening with you, Sarah? I'm still in the start of a new year, establishing new habits and routines phase of my life. Nice. (laughs) And one that is really working for me has been grocery shopping on Fridays. Mm. Before, we were always grocery shopping on Saturdays, and it felt like it took this big chunk of the weekend because it would happen on Saturday morning and we wouldn't start doing the meal planning, creating the list, getting all the stuff together, and then going. Really, that was the whole morning. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And so now that I have more childcare during the week, I've been going by my self on Fridays. And it's been great for two reasons. One, we get our weekends back and have a lot more flexibility with what we're doing with our time on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And two, I'm doing a much better job of planning out seven meals and getting (laughs) ingredients for seven meals so we actually can eat for a whole week. I think I was really burnt out on meal planning and grocery shopping at the end of last year. And Mm so did very little of it and just didn't make as big of grocery trips as we needed or didn't have as much planning going into it. So there was a lot more texting of Neil at the last minute to stop at the grocery store on the way home so we could have food that night for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like also trying to do something like that on a weekend, it's like weekends are rest times. I don't want to be doing something that feels like so much work. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it still in the work week, especially now that you have time to focus on it, I think it works much better. We do ours on Monday mornings now, Mm. which is a similar kind of thing. It's like the week is fresh. I'm ready. I'm recommitted. On Saturday or Friday, I feel like I would be like, let's just eat frozen pizza and frozen french fries all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) But then don't you feel sad on the weekend when your supplies are dwindling? Or does that not happen because you're an overbuyer? Because our fridge is looking pretty bare by Wednesday and Thursday. I think it's both. I think I am an overbuyer, but I also, when planning on Monday, plan fun food for the weekend. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. So I plan things like Andrew's cooking burgers so I don't have to cook it and it's something that feels a little bit more chunky. I like it. Sounds like we're both in a good spot with the groceries. High five to us. What's been happening with you? Lately, I have been feeling too pregnant to tie my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's winter. It is. It's different in the summer when you can just wear flip-flops. Yes. I mean, a lot of things go into this. So the first thing is that We became a shoe-free household sometime last year where we really try not to wear our shoes inside. We have now a shoe rack by the front door and have been working with them and all the adults in the house to have the shoes stay there. Mm -hmm. So that means there's a lot more taking off and putting on of the shoes that might have happened if we were still wearing them around. And the shoes that are the most comfortable for me right now are tennis shoes, which all have ties. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) was just feeling so annoyed every time we had to go out somewhere or my feet were cold. But then I had this genius idea that I should look for some tennis shoes that have elastic <laughs> instead. Yes. And I found some used. They are amazing. It has revolutionized my life. I'm so happy every time I slip them on. <laughs> I'm ready to go so fast and I don't have to sit down, reach around my belly to tie them. It's amazing. Love it. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what is your latest read? I just finished reading The Eating Instinct by Virginia Soul Smith. This is one that I heard about on the Food Psych podcast. She was interviewed a few months ago and talked about her book on that podcast, and I was so intrigued that I got it from the library. 
It is nonfiction that explores what it means both to be an eater and to raise an eater in modern society. Each chapter is devoted to a different topic and covers things like food and race, picky eating in adulthood, and weight loss surgery as just a few examples. Throughout the book, she also shares her daughter Violet's story, and her daughter underwent heart surgery when she was one month old, Mm. and after that, refused to eat by mouth and ended up needing to have feeding tubes for several months after that point. And the author shares what it was like to teach Violet to eat again after experiencing medical trauma. I love a nonfiction book like that where they mix in their personal story with different perspectives and evidence from elsewhere. That's my favorite kind of nonfiction. That is one of the things I loved about the story was just how seamlessly she was able to weave her family's story together with the research from the field and the experience of other people. That it was a very story-based piece of nonfiction, which made it highly readable. I also loved how it emphasized how food is so complicated, our culture is complicated, and exploring this question of how do we help our children successfully navigate all of that when so many of us are struggling ourselves to have a healthy relationship with food. Mm. There was very little I didn't like. It came to me at the right time where it's something I'm very interested in and thinking a lot about, and it pushed me and helped me to explore it in a different way. I would absolutely recommend it for all people who eat, so everyone. (laughs) I really, really loved it. What have you been reading lately? I just listened to Us Against You by Frederick Backman, which is the sequel to the novel Bear Town. Mm -hmm. It picks up right where the other one left off. And there's also a good bit of catching everyone up on everything. So because I listened to Beartown a while ago, I hadn't thought about the characters and I didn't remember sort of the details about what happened, but it didn't feel like a problem, which is, I think, a good quality of a sequel. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I really loved this book. The characters were the best part of the first book for me, and they are here again. I really loved the familiar characters and seeing what happens with them. And then also he focuses more on some that were kind of minor in the first book, and I loved that too. And then he brings in these new characters, whom I also loved. (laughs) So (laughs) the characters were my favorite part. It's a really beautiful writing style. I love how emotional the book feels and kind of evocative of big feelings. And then it was also great to see what happens with the characters that I love and sort of follow them along more of their journey. So for folks who don't know, these are both books about a town who is really focused on hockey. And I'm not really that into sports books, but I would still recommend these books for most people. I don't think that they are necessarily uplifting. I think that they show a lot about how people can get obsessed with things or Mm -hmm. focus on a sport and a game and a team to the exclusion of individuals and how people can get carried away with things. But I think that's one thing that makes them feel really important and real and poignant to me is how well he focuses on the game and people's lives side by side in both of these books. So I would recommend both of them. The sequel, definitely, if you are a fan of Beartown, I think you'll like it too. And I want to put in a plug for both the audiobooks. So I listened to Beartown initially, listened to Us Against You, and they're narrated by the same person, which is so nice for that sort of consistency. Yes. And she's just a really fantastic narrator. Would you say that you liked this one as well as you liked Beartown? Because I know you really loved Beartown last year. I don't think I liked it quite as well 
Beartown because it was the first book of his that I had listened to. Mm -hmm. It was really new to me. And so things about experiencing his writing style for the first time made it kind of a different experience than reading the sequel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a five star book for me like Beartown was, but I still really liked it. So today we're going to talk about clothes, which has been a suggested topic from several listeners. Thank you, listeners, who sent this our way. We'll start out by talking about our general clothes philosophy. I like to have clothes that I enjoy wearing that are comfortable and functional, but I don't care so much that I am willing to put much effort or money into the whole enterprise. Which means I have lots of clothes that have been in my life for more than a decade and do not do any regular or seasonal clothes shopping. Hmm. Overall, I would say style is less important to me than practicality. It has to work in my lifestyle, which means I have to be able to bike in it and I have to be able to stay warm in the winter. A lot of the clothes that I think are most stylish don't always fit into my lifestyle. Totally fair. What would you say your philosophy is? I love clothes. I think they're probably my main avenue of style-based self-expression. Since I don't do very much else in the realm of personal style, see also our episode on style and beauty. That said, practicality and comfort are primary for me when choosing clothes because I'm not going to reach for something in my closet that's not either of those things. It also means that I am delighted when I find something (laughs) that is 100% comfy while still looking amazing and stylish. How often do you buy clothes? I would say I buy a few things every year, and it's usually to replace things that have worn out in some way. So every year or two, I usually end up getting a new pair of jeans because I only have two pairs of jeans and they wear out, probably because I wear them so often for months at a time Mm -hmm. and because biking in them means the knees wear out. Sort of like I'm a little kid who constantly has rips in their knees. That's what it's like. (laughs) Since I don't have a really expansive wardrobe, it is always so nice to get a little refresh. Mm. So when an opportunity presents itself, usually through something like a clothing swap, like what you described, I become delighted when I find something new to bring in. Very satisfying. Exactly. How often do you shop? I buy clothes semi-regularly. Mostly with the change in seasons, but also because the past few years of my life have been so much about how my body is also changing and how my life is changing. Yes. That I have probably bought a lot just because what's comfortable changes or what's practical changes. I'm actually interested to see how this evolves as I move into a less dynamic time Mm -hmm. (laughs) with body because we're heading that direction, not in the near term, but sooner than later. I will be done childbearing, probably done breastfeeding, and we'll kind of need to figure out how my clothes buying routine looks then. Mm -hmm. So thinking back over time, has how you feel about clothes changed or has your philosophy been pretty consistent through your life? I would say that it has been pretty consistent. I think I have less of a desire for new clothes now than I did in the past. But it has never been a big focus for me, even in my younger years. Mm. I have never enjoyed the process of clothes shopping. Mm. And maybe that's not 100% accurate. I think part of it is that I am really annoying to shop with, which (laughs) 
my mom and any friends who have ever gone shopping with me can attest because I take so long to make a decision and it has to meet such a high standard of needing to be able to be in my wardrobe for an extended period of time Mm. that I try on things multiple times. And if there's two things I'm deciding between, I might try them each on four times and continue to think about it and ask the question a lot. And in the end, I might put everything back and not get a single thing after going through this whole process. And maybe I shouldn't even pin that on that I feel like it needs to be able to be in my wardrobe forever. I think I just have a hard time with those decisions because even as a kid, I remember finding it hard to pull the trigger on new purchases, Hmm. even when I was not the one paying for them. Interesting. How has your philosophy evolved or changed? Well, I definitely need fewer clothes now than I have in the past because I don't need very much of a work wardrobe now. Mm, Most of my clothes are casual and appropriate to working and parenting from home full time. (laughs) I still do have some dressier clothes that I use when I do professional things outside the house, but I'm not really adding to that wardrobe because I have those several pieces that are so comfortable and still look great. And because I seldom wear them, they're not wearing out. Yeah. So as long as my body is in a size that it still works, then I can wear that and I don't have to worry about getting something new. I think in the past, I would have been more excited and eager to find something new, even if I didn't feel like I needed it. Mm. But now I feel like I have this idea in my head that when I go out, I may not find something that's as wonderful as what I already have, Mm -hmm. which feels like a really big shift from wanting something new because of the excitement of having something new to wanting something that looks amazing and feels amazing, Mm -hmm. even if it's what I already have. Because I think the looks and feels amazing things are much harder to find. And I think I've really realized that in a way that I didn't as much when I was young. And do you find the shopping experience just as enjoyable if you walk away with nothing or not? That's a good question. So I have always loved clothes shopping Mm -hmm. and I still do love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, especially with my mom. And it's basically like a comfort activity. So I think even if I don't find something amazing and wonderful, even if I walk away empty handed, I still am there for the ride. Mm, interesting. Where I see it as a really big time suck, that it's hard for me to want to do it because I know it's going to take so long. And then I might not even end up with anything. So disappointing. Yeah. I would say for me, it's the journey, not the destination. It's a good mm. way to sum up my shopping <laughs> philosophy these days, at least. Nice. So speaking of shopping, where do you get most of your clothes? I get most of my clothes secondhand. I don't really want to participate in fast fashion For multiple reasons, including that those clothes usually stretch out and don't look good past a few wears. So they definitely don't meet the test of being able to stay in my wardrobe for an extended period of time. Right. I also don't want to spend a lot of money on clothes because I don't care about my style that much to want to make a financial (laughs) investment. Lately, I've been having the most success through clothing swaps. Our church has one twice a year, and I've had friends who also put them on, which has been great to find a few new things to add a little refresh. I've also had good success using some local consignment stores, especially for finding jeans there, because there are so many options. And I think jeans are really challenging to find the right fit that meets the comfort standard. Totally. And fit standard that I adhere to. I've used Goodwill and have the most luck there finding tops and sweaters. I have found their pants selection to be lacking. (laughs) Yeah. And then occasionally we'll garage sale and I'll find a few new things there, usually tops, because I'm so particular about the way pants and jeans fit that it is hard to find success at a garage sale. 
It's also hard at a garage sale, I think, to look at something and know that it will work for the bottom half of your body. Yes. Top half, pretty straightforward. Bottom half, not so much. And sometimes I have tried some because for 50 cents, even if I just turn around and donate it, it's worth it. Right. (laughs) But I don't know that I've had any successes. I think I've mostly just spent some money and then donated them (laughs) when I've gone that route. The biggest exception I have to buying secondhand is shoes. Mm. My feet are such that I have never successfully found used shoes. So that's one area where I'm willing to invest more for something that is going to work. Yeah. Where do you source your clothing? I do buy new clothes and I get them most often from TJ Maxx and Marshalls or from sales online at places like Old Navy or Target. I haven't loved clothes I've gotten from Amazon because often the material is different than I'm imagining. Mm. And then it's a pain to send it back or you can't return it. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not somewhere that has in-store returns, I don't like to buy things online. I also feel like I'm at this point where there's tons of stuff at these places like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, but I know now what is going to wear well Mm. and what is going to look pilled or not good after wearing for just a few months. Right. And so I'm very discerning about that. I am the person in that place who has a cart piled with tons of things and I can only take 10 in the dressing room at a time. Mm -hmm. But I might end up with two pieces after trying on 50 things because I'm so discerning about what's going to work and what I'm going to go to when I grab something to wear. Mm -hmm. I also loved buying used, especially for maternity and children's clothes. My favorite place to buy used is Poshmark, which is a person-to-person used market. It's an app. You can also shop on their website. And I have gotten maternity clothes, regular clothes, and shoes there. And I love it Mm. because you can put in offers on things you like. So people have them listed at a certain price, but you can offer less. And then the seller can counter. So I feel like I've gotten pretty good deals there because people just want it out of their house or whatever. And are those usually higher quality brands that make it on there? Is there some sort of quality control before it can even be listed or not? People do post a lot of things there. I don't think there is quality control from the site or from the app. Okay. But people post a lot of pictures. They post if there's stains, they list what condition it's in. You can always dispute that and send things back. Mm-hmm. I have never had to do that. But also things like dresses from L.L. Bean, which I know are going to last and I know what my size is, but buying them new is so expensive. You can get things for so much less money mm-hmm. if you know your size and brand and are sort of familiar with how it's cut that are going to work amazing. Yeah. I've also used another app and site called ThreadUp, which is online consignment, but it's where the store rather than the individuals sells you the stuff. Mm -hmm. I like that less because I love the individual back and forth of Poshmark, and I feel like there's more information about each piece on Poshmark Mm -hmm. than on ThreadUp when you might not get as much. You don't necessarily see all the tags and everything. I mean, people are very detailed on Poshmark. They post pictures of the tags and pictures of this little part that doesn't look amazing. And like, here's a tiny stain. And so I feel like you really know a lot about the stuff before you buy it. Yeah. And I also love the Buy Nothing group for hand-me-downs. I got an amazing bundle of maternity shirts and sweaters from there that I have been wearing a whole lot. And it's awesome. And when I'm done being pregnant, I will pass them along to someone else, which feels really good too. Yes. When I was pregnant, both times, my sister's friend lent me a ton of maternity clothes. It was probably four times the size of my normal wardrobe, and I (laughs) loved it. (laughs) It was so nice at that time when my body was changing to just have all these new options and Mm -hmm. felt 
really fun and made the clothing aspect of being pregnant less stressful and irritating because it was like this new adventure and all these clothes that I never would have had otherwise. Yes, I love that. And then I just passed them back to her when I was done. That's, I think, one of the best parts about these communities that we have now that you don't have to buy all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Someone else is done with it, so you can just find it. It's so great. Yes. Have you ever tried one of the clothing services where they send you a box of clothes every month, like Stitch Fix? I have tried one box worth of Stitch Fix. I found the quality to be on par or less than what I could find at TJ Maxx. Mm -hmm. I was like, I might as well just do the shopping for this myself. I don't need a personal stylist person to make it out. I think for someone who does not love shopping as much as I do, it could be good. Mm -hmm. But it's really not my favorite, the someone else choosing my clothes for me. <laughs> Interesting. So I tried Stitch Fix, and I think I got either two or three boxes. And I kept a few things each time. I really liked not shopping. I loved having <laughs> someone send me the clothes so I yeah. didn't have to go out and do it myself because I hate that process so much. But for me, the price and the quality was the issue. Right. I'm happy to pay a little bit more to not have to go through the effort myself. Mm -hmm. But then the price point didn't match up with the longevity for me. Though I still have a couple sweaters that I got there that I really love and still wear. Mixed success. Yes, but I haven't tried it again. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about kids' clothes. Where do you get most of your children's clothing items? We have been really fortunate to receive many hand-me-downs for both the kids. Mm -hmm. HP has a cousin who is almost exactly one year older, so we got all of his clothes from his family. E now wears those. Plus, we have a friend with a little girl a few years older who gives us even more clothes for her. Mm. Until HP turned five, I would say the problem for us was too many clothes. Mm. And when they were all things that fit and that we liked, it was hard to pare down, even though it was hard to find enough storage for them. Wow. And sometimes I would just have to say, we don't need this. Somebody else could be using these clothes. And that is obviously a wonderful problem to have. Totally. That did change now that HP is older. I think there are fewer hand-me-downs for older kids in general, partly because they wear through them so quickly. Almost nothing that HP has is going to be able to be passed down. It's all getting patched multiple times, mm -hmm. has rips, stains. And I think that's partly because kids wear the clothes longer because they're not growing as fast as they are in those first few years. Right. And in our case, HP has fewer clothes. So he's wearing each pair of pants many more times in a season than he would have when he was younger. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that we aren't getting as many hand-me-downs, we mostly do garage sales. We had really great luck last year with one for a lot of clothes for HP. And when we don't have luck with garage sales, then we do consignment for most of HP stuff. The one area where we're going to start buying new is shoes, because the last pair we got at consignment was a bust. And mm. I feel like HP is wearing shoes long enough now that it's worth the investment to get a good pair that he can keep on his feet for the next six months. Nice. I'm also curious to see how that will look as they get older. HP still doesn't care at all what he wears. He just grabs the first thing in his dresser and puts it on. But E already has stronger preferences. So I'm curious how on board they're going to be with the used clothing train as they get older and have more opinions about what they want to be wearing and mm -hmm. possibly see their clothes as a way to express themselves the way you described. Yeah. And that's not something I've ever really felt or that Neil has felt. But who's to say how our kids are going to feel about clothes? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. 
One option that I have rolling around in my brain is a clothing allowance that would give them some options at agency and mm. how they spend that money mm -hmm. that maybe you only get two new shirts or if you get used, you can get five that you can make that choice about what is important to you and how you want to be allocating that money. But clothing is also a necessity to cover your body. Right. <laughs> so we'll just have to see how that all plays out. What about for you? Early on, my mom sewed a lot for Plum, which was amazing. Even now, she gifts us clothes for her seasonally that she buys. My mom is also a great clothes lover and shopper. And also Plum's other grandma, Andrew's mom, loves to buy clothes for her. So she has had a fair amount of new and very fancy consigned things. Mm -hmm. When I buy clothes for Plum, I mostly buy on Kitizen, which is a person-to-person -person mm. online secondhand app that's similar to Poshmark. I have had really good luck there with shoes, mm. knowing brands that we love, mm -hmm. and they're showing you the wear and tear and the condition of the shoes. And so if you know that they're practically new and that they're the right size, there's a good chance that they're going to be much less than they would be new. So we've taken some chances there, but it has paid off for us. Yeah, I might look into that. And Poshmark also has kids clothes, though I like Kidison better just because it's all kids rather than having to sort of sort through. Mm -hmm. We also mix in a fair number of hand-me-downs from other families we know. We have friends in Alabama that send us clothes often. Mm -hmm. We also get a fair number from the Buy Nothing group. I've had medium success at garage sales, though I recently found an amazing one that had tons of gender-neutral baby clothes, and so I snapped those right up. I would say I've also had medium success with thrift stores. Most of it seems to be fairly picked over. Mm -hmm. Kids' clothes at thrift stores, I have never found anything great there. Not sure why that is, but it's hard to come by something that's worth keeping. Yeah, that's been my experience. Let's talk now about clothing challenges. What are yours? I have the most trouble finding shoes that work for me, and that has always been the case. I have very long, narrow feet that aren't the same size. <laughs> One of them is half a size bigger. Very few shoes come in narrow, and at lots of shoe stores, they'll tell you, certain ones run narrow, but that has never worked for me. Mm. They just fall off my feet. They don't fit well, which really means that I have very few shoes. And that works for me because I like having a fairly minimal wardrobe, mm -hmm. but I definitely have had moments where I'd wish that I could get a cute pair of flats and I've just never been able to find some that work for my feet and have essentially given up. But if anyone knows shoes that actually run a narrow that I should look at, let me know. <laughs> The biggest challenge for clothing my kids has been finding warm pants. Mm. I do not understand why all the pants seem to be so thin. Yeah. E has lots of pants, but right now I think she only has two or three pairs that she calls her warm pants. Everything else she'll say, those are too thin if we get them out because she knows she's going to be cold when we're out in the world if she's wearing leggings. And you'd think being in Indiana, there'd be more options for that. It's one thing when you live in the South or places where it doesn't get really cold, but we just haven't had a lot of luck. That's definitely something we've encountered. For one thing, I don't think they even sell things like sweatpants and jogger type pants for girls. So mm. if you're shopping in a store and things are divided by gender of your kids. That is so true because all of these pants that she wears are HP's hand-me-downs. All the ones that are girl specific, she won't wear in the winter because they're too cold. Yeah. So we have had that same issue with Plum because at her preschool, she's outside most of the day. And so uh -huh. we send her in leggings. Then she wants to stay inside and read books, which they let her <laughs> to. But also it'd be nice if you would play and then take a nap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So kids pants are thin 
in my experience, and often too tight, especially to pull Mm. on over cloth diapers. Yes. So pants from the boys section are also cut more generously Mm -hmm. in the bottom area. And so that's another thing that is very annoying to me. (laughs) Another kid-related clothing challenge is that Plum is tall, but most of her height is in her torso. She has a very long waist. Mm -hmm. When she was little, that's one reason my mom sewed a lot for her, because we would find onesies that the sleeves would be off her hands. They would be too long, Mm -hmm. but there was no way that we could snap the snaps (laughs) around both the cloth diaper and her very long body. Yes. So my mom actually sewed a lot of onesies that had like an extra two inches in the torso. So so that they would fit. We've addressed the issue now by mostly putting her in tops that are dress or tunic style Mm -hmm. so that they are a little longer. My main personal challenge is something I already mentioned, which is the changing body. Mm -hmm. So needing to have clothing that supports the lifestyle, whether that's breastfeeding or being able to be really active with Plum. And I think I said this already, but I am looking forward to things maybe stabilizing a little in the coming years. Indeed. Let's wrap up our segment for today by talking about our clothing aspirations. I would love to have more outfits in which I felt put together or more stylish than I do currently. Both you and a mutual friend of ours are my clothing inspiration as (laughs) you both do such a nice job of putting together outfits that look comfortable, beautiful, and simple. Well, thanks, friend. You're welcome. (laughs) But it's similar to how I feel about home decor, that I can appreciate it when I see it and say, yes, that looks lovely. I would love to have that either in my home or on my body. But (laughs) I don't actually care enough to put in the time and effort to replicate it in my own life. Because then I'll walk back into my own house and I'll say, objectively, my house looks less nice than that person's. And then I sort of just shrug my shoulders. (laughs) So... I have aspirations, but no motivation to bring them into reality. (laughs) Fair. How about you? I'd love a more curated wardrobe, kind of in the style of capsule wardrobes that you hear people blogging and talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that more stability in my body and life will allow me to get to that eventually. At this point, I have more than I need or wear on a regular basis, but it's not things that I'm willing to get rid of because they could serve a different purpose that may come up again. Yeah. And so that's something that's a little tricky for right now, but I think that time will really help me get to meet that aspiration. That's all of our clothing talk for today. Listeners, we would love to hear about your clothes philosophy, where you buy things, especially if you have great suggestions for used clothes that we're not thinking of, and what your biggest clothing challenges and dreams are. We'll finish by talking about what we've been eating. I need to talk about Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) I think I realized when I was pregnant with Plum when I wanted to be eating Girl Scout cookies, that the bakeries that serve different parts of the country for Girl Scout cookies are different. Mm. So the cookies I grew up eating in Texas are not from the same bakery as the cookies that are available here in North Carolina. Interesting. Turns out people have written about this on the internet. They've (laughs) compared and contrasted the different types of cookies. Mm -hmm. I am a purist for the Little Brownie Baker's Bakery, which is the one that I grew up with. I do not care for the ABC bakers, which are the ones that are available here. So I have to order my cookies from a friend who has daughters who are Girl Scouts in another state and have them shipped to me. Okay. Tell me about the differences. 
I grew up eating Samoas. Uh huh. Thin mints have the same name, and all the cookies are similar styles. But the version of Samoas, which is my favorite, so that's the one I'll focus on, mm-hmm. that's here are called Caramel Delights, and I find them to be not as good at all. Oh, I thought the name just changed across the board sometime, but it's not. It's that they're they're from different bakeries. There are Samoas somewhere. Okay. And Caramel Delights are sourced from a different bakery than Samoas, and they taste different. I'm learning so much. <laughs> so what do you have where you are? Do you have Samoas or Caramel Delights? I don't know. We had a Girl Scout knock on our door recently. Neil bought some trefoils, which are the shortbread cookies. I don't know if that gives a clue as to which bakery we have or not. I think trefoils is Little Brownie Bakers. I think you're safe. Okay. Well, Neil ordered them, and every day since then, he's been asking me at dinner, when are the Girl Scout cookies going to arrive? And I have to tell her, I don't know, but sometime soon. (laughs) Great. Have yours already made their appearance in your household? They're here. We are eating them. They are delicious. Also, my mom is bringing more when she comes in a little bit for Plum's (laughs) birthday. Nice. What have you been eating, friend? I have another recipe to share from Budget Bites. This one is cheesy cauliflower and potato soup. Mmm. It sounded very cozy to me. We've been having many, many cold days. Mm. And so having the soup with some crusty bread has been just the thing. So it's onion, cauliflower, and potatoes, vegetable broth. And then the recipe calls for evaporated milk, but they also said you could substitute heavy cream. Yes. Which is what I did because then I can use the cream for other things. You know, I love (laughs) some cream. (laughs) Also, I think it's good policy to just upgrade your dairy. If it calls for whole milk, use half and half. If it calls for (laughs) half and half, use heavy cream, etc. Exactly. The recipe was for doing it on the stovetop, but I, of course, use my Instant Pot. Add everything to the Instant Pot, blend it up with the immersion blender afterwards, and then you add cheddar cheese. It said only four ounces. That did not seem sufficient. I added much more. Upgrade your dairy. (laughs) (laughs) And then served with green onions on top. But I love a smooth, creamy soup, especially when I have something to dip in it as well. It's been hitting the spot and going on the grocery list for tomorrow. (laughs) Sounds delicious. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It has been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you want to join in the conversation, you can do that on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. That sounds good. Let me see how artfully I can do that. (laughs) How'd I do with that? That was awesome. Loved it. (laughs) You're a podcasting bro. Pat me on the back. All right. Is this me here?